I feel like last week, Ali, there was a bit of uh, preliminary chat from us before we got into the meat. That, that's often the case, isn't it? A bit of chat and then the, then, then the meat. I feel we should avoid pussyfooting at all costs. I would costs. really like to avoid pussyfooting. Well, that was one of the things that came up with the relationship counsellor, wasn't it? Yeah. But uh, talking of the relationship counsellor, I have some news on that, Ellie. But we'll get to that once we start the podcast properly. This isn't a proper start, everybody. This is just kind of like a, a behind-the-scenes virtual meet-and-greet. So what we're going to do, Ellie, this time is I have put together a little montage of clips from last week. Well, at least there'll be some good quality, you see, there, yeah. I thought. Because this week's going to be a bit rubbish, isn't it? So what's going to happen is going to be a little bit of a recap. One thing that's missing from it, though, Ellie, yeah. is a little bit of a last week on the David Eagle podcast. I thought it might be nicer in your voice. Okay. So what's going to happen is I'll tap you on the shoulder. If you could just quickly say last week on the David Eagle podcast in your best voiceover voice, okay. the previously bit will then run, and then I'll tap you on the shoulder again, and it's time for us to do the whole... Oh, God. The David Eagle podcast thing. Can we not just keep that from the previous one? No, no, no. So that's the end of the meet and greet section, my friends. We haven't, if you're enjoying this, we haven't even got into the podcast yet, my friend. <laughs> here, really, here we go, Ellie. Last week... No, you've got to be much quicker than oh. that. You've got to be much quicker. Listen, this is the only... This is the time you've got. Here we go. Oh. And then that we're would in. have fitted. It wouldn't. It would If you went... Last week on the David Eagle, yeah. we, we're way... No, it would have... If I it would it not, I promise you. You would have had to have gone last week on the David Eagle podcast, which would have been ridiculous. Well, if you don't pre-play me what I'm meant to be doing over, I don't All right. know what this to is... go with, do I? And I like to think that media studies lecturers or lecturers in media and the art and the craft of radio will play this to their students. People will have to write essays on it. So in some ways, your mistakes, Ellie, are absolutely I don't think mistakes, perfect. David. I think <laughs> they're a lack of direction. <laughs> let's, let's give it a go again. You ready? Here we go. Last week on the David Eagle podcast. <laughs> 8 and 3, 83! Steve! Oh, that's weird. <laughs> Did not expect that. Ellie, I have a rummage in my box. Why am I smoking it again? Why am I doing it again? <laughs> she rears up as she sits astride him. That's not impressive of you being a dirty, dirty man. <laughs> Are you all ready, everyone, for the uh, the sex quiz? It's a penis animal question. Well, you did well with the pigs. Let's see how you get on yeah. with this one. My dad used to listen to these podcasts. The Catholic education wasn't wasted, Dad. <laughs> the David. Oh, not yet. David Eagle podcast. The David Eagle, Eagle podcast. <laughs> not quite as slick as last week, there, Ellie, really, but. Uh, Sorry, I you forgot the David Eagle podcast bit. <laughs> okay, not to worry. I was too taken with so much fun that we had last week. It was. Uh, so many happy memories. If people are worried that they didn't hear last week's podcast, uh, fear not. You can go back and listen whenever you like. We didn't, you know, we didn't end on a cliffhanger last week or anything like that. So there'll be a few in-jokes. Uh, there'll be a few catchphrases. But, you know, you'll, you'll easily pick those up and they'll become a staple part of your listening. Of course, listeners to last week's podcast will remember, of course, those catchphrases. Um, you'll have someone's eye out with that Mrs Miggins lobster before 9am what were you thinking there was that other catchphrase wasn't there Ellie which of course was <laughs> there we are a lovely bit of improvised comedy for you there I said about last week we mentioned the relationship counsellor yeah. on the podcast uh, last week I made a little bit of a joke about the fact that we didn't see a relationship counsellor and that was because I said when we, we've entered lockdown we've had three lockdowns now when I proposed to you last Christmas you thought that I'm a travelling musician and comedian you're not going to see me that much and that's one of the reasons why you agreed to uh, to marry me so we had a bit of a yeah, chat about I that because going to have time to marry exactly and I said something about our relationship counsellor the reason we're doing the podcast is because our relationship counsellor has suggested that one of the ways to bond and to repair the damage caused <laughs> by spending all this time together is to do a podcast together. What is weird about this is we've had a couple of concerned messages from people, Ellie. Oh, have we? Who genuinely, for some reason, I don't know how, wondering whether the relationship counsellor was a real thing. And it just sort of makes me wonder what, how they could have possibly thought that, bearing in mind I'd made little jokes about, you know, the fact that they said to spice up our sex life and made jokes about you sticking chilli and Rosemary and me. I'm a bit concerned now that people aren't going to know the difference between what is a joke and what isn't a joke. We might just have to have a, a siren, a joke siren, okay. maybe. I was going to suggest we have a serious siren, but I'd say the bulk of the show is serious, isn't it? It's, yeah. You know, if we did a, a siren every time there was something serious that we it wanted... It would just be... It would like, just be non-stop sirens. Yeah, it'd be like some sort of uh, Westwood show, wouldn't it? 
just exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which also takes away the seriousness. Heard, of I don't know if you've heard the Vivian Westwood show. Coming up, Ellie, on yes. this week's podcast, uh, the return of some old faithful features Ooh. that uh, made the show last week, of course. Cassette Roulette Returns, oh, a feature God. in which Ellie Skinner rummages in my box. She pulls out a cassette and we play whatever is on it, no matter how incriminating or embarrassing. I recorded all sorts of stuff when I was a child up to when I was a teenager. It could have anything on it. Whatever it is, we'll put it in there. Even if it's a blank tape, we'll just sit and listen to it. <laughs> and what a crazy week it's been. Most of you will know that I'm in a band called called The Young'uns, a folk band. One of the things we've been doing for the last 15 years is singing sea shanties. It just so happens that sea shanties is now the biggest thing on the planet. So <laughs> we're clearly going to have to talk about that. And I thought, who better to talk about it to than one of our friends from the shanty world, one of the, the biggest authorities in the shanty world, I would say, Jim McGeehan. He's been singing shanties since the 60s. He's been all over the world singing sea shanties. We've been all over the world with him singing sea shanties. And we're going to chat to him about shanties and some of the crazy adventures singing sea shanties has got him embroiled in. Other features that will be on this show, new features to the show, include... Always got to be adding new. Always got to add new features, primarily because the old ones fail. Yeah. One involves you doing a little bit of espionage, I suppose. You doing a little bit of a clandestine recording in yeah. a feature called What's the Time, Mr. Eagle? All that, and dare Ellie say more... More? She dares on this week's David Eagle Podcast! Yesterday, Ellie, we're recording this on the 19th of January. Yesterday, apparently, was the most depressing day of the year. Oh. Apparently, the, there's, there's, someone has done some research, and uh, the 18th of January is officially the most... It's when people are their most depressed. Now, is it the 18th of January, or is it the... I think like, it's that Monday. Third Monday. I think it's the, the third Monday of every January. I think Which, it might be nonsense. I think it might be nonsense, <laughs> especially when you consider last year. Yeah. Can you just imagine people going, oh, it's this is the, most the 19th of January or whatever. Ooh. Well, at least this is the most depressing it's going to get this year yeah. um, officially. You know, that's what the statistics say. Yeah. If only they knew. They're like, oh, dang, I'll just stay in the house uh, today, <laughs> to be honest. I can't be bothered to go out. They'll be ruining that decision. That might explain, though, because I didn't realise it was the most depressing day of the year until mm. later that day. By that point, I'd already had my bit of a meltdown, an existential crisis. Oh, had you? I had. Well, you were there. Ellie. Oh, yeah. You were there for this. I mean, this. there's so many of them. Indeed, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll relive the experience for you right now, Ellie. Oh, cool. Because it was a shame that the listeners missed it. Yeah. When I had my existential crisis, I thought what this really needed was to be recorded for a podcast. <laughs> um, it's been an odd year for everybody. It's been an odd year for me, of course. I've uh, been a travelling musician and comedian, always on the road, doing gigs. And we've been a band. We've been a folk band, the Young'uns, since 2005. And the reason we are a folk band is because in 2003 we stumbled across our local folk club basically we were just having a quiet drink an illegal drink in the pub at the age of 17 and all of a sudden someone stood up and just yelped and just launched into this song and everybody else was joining in with this song at first we thought he was going to be escorted out for drunken behaviour we thought well, what the bloody hell's going on here he was just yelping and singing this weird song but then everybody else was banging their pants on the table stamping their feet joining in and they all joined in with the, the chorus of this song and they were adding harmonies and it was unlike anything that we'd heard before. And after about three minutes of this, the song ended with one final massive cacophonous yelp and everybody yelped, broke into applause and someone said, welcome to the folk club. That was, of course, one of our favourite rousing sea shanties. That was the first time we'd ever really heard of a sea shanty and it was the first time we'd heard of a folk club, a night where just ordinary people just come together to sing songs, sing songs of the sea, sing shanties, sing songs of industry, sing local songs, sing all sorts of amazing songs often without instruments and we were so blown away by this that we came back week after week and we got known as the young'uns because we were the youngest people there by decades and now TikTok the social media video sharing thing TikTok which I know nothing about has made sea shanties one of the biggest things on the planet at the moment teenagers have got into sea shanties somehow I think it's due to the sea shanties on various computer games all these kids all these teenagers are singing these sea shanties and the charts are like full of sea shanties now and, and I read something where it was purported 
reported that Google has said that more people in the last week have Googled sea shanties than it's ever been Googled in its history. So more people have Googled sea shanty in one week than if you add up all of the times that sea shanty was Googled before that. So it's really odd for us that all of a sudden sea shanties is just suddenly taking the world by storm. It's really odd because up until last year we were making a living from going around the world and singing these songs, singing sea shanties, singing folk songs. The first sea shanty festival that we did, it was for free. We did it in Holland. We didn't get paid for it. In fact, our payment, our only remuneration was uh, free sausage and but for us, that was the most amazing thing at that time. This is before we were a professional band. But of course, when we would go back to work, you know, after the weekend, and we'd say, they say, what have you been, you know, what have you been up to? And everyone would say, oh, well, I watched a bit of TV, you know, did you see Britain's Got Talent and all that kind of thing? And, I'd, and they'd say, oh, what were you doing, David? And I'd say, oh, I was at a festival in Germany singing with uh, 50 drunken German and Polish and Dutch people <laughs> singing sea shanties. And most of those people had no idea what sea shanties were. So it's really odd that it's kind of taken off in the way that it has and it's now the biggest thing on the planet. It's made even odder by the fact that this has come at a time when we can't gig. So we've been unable to gig for the last year and it's been really horrible. In the last few weeks shanty singing is what everybody wants but of course the terrible irony is we can't go out and actually do the gigs. So that kind of led to a little bit of an existential crisis yesterday. Also just the fact that not being able to gig for the last year has really eroded I think a lot of people's sense of identity. Whether you're a musician or whatever you are, whatever your job was, if you can't do it anymore, a lot of who you are is bound up in that. And I like to catastrophize as well. So, um, <laughs> so I was on a bit of a rant about this is you know the end of everything and and the fact that oh, it's great in some ways that everybody's got into sea shanties, but there's another part of me that it just feels like it's a bit of a kick in the teeth because we can't do it at the moment and we've been doing it for the last 15 years and this is what we do for a living and we can't do it anymore. We can't go out and gig and everyone now is sharing these sea shanty videos and I've got no idea about TikTok. I don't know how to get involved in it. So now you've got people who've only just discovered sea shanties in the last week who've got viral videos of themselves singing sea shanties. We've been doing it for 15 years, you bastards! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I say, I've just said, oh, I don't want to sound churlish. Uh, I mean, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> so I'm catastrophizing, and I know it's stupid, but, you know, it's been a tough year, and I've not been able to leave the house, so I've not been able to let off energy in the usual way that I do. So I'm having this rant in the kitchen, this existential crisis, and I'm going, you know, I don't know what the industry's going to be like when we, when we can eventually go back and I don't know is it going to be the end of the band who knows what's going to happen and you could argue it's great that everyone want to hear sea shanties surely it means that everyone will want to hear us perform but no it'll probably just mean that everyone will want to see these bloody teenagers performing sea shanties and there won't be room for us anymore <laughs> oh it's the end of the good times no one will want to come and see us anymore it'll be the teenagers that everyone wants to see oh I remember when we were a BBC Radio 2 folk award winning band I remember when we used to get played on the radio and while this was happening the radio was on in the kitchen it was BBC 6 music it was the Steve Lamack show and it was just on in the background. There was a feature where Miles Jupp, the comedian Miles Jupp, previous host of the News Quiz, uh, the CBBS show, Balamori, he's been in the thick of it, all sorts of stuff. And he was doing a feature about uh, one of his favourite recipes, how to make a fish pie. And he was saying, and when I'm cooking, I like to listen to music. And these are the songs that I like to listen to. And he'd say a little bit about the songs. And every song that he picked, I was somehow managing to say, oh yeah, well this song, it's like a thorn in my heart. It's a dagger <laughs> to the heart. Things that I sort of think of as my music that I put on when it's just me in the kitchen. Put Tom McRae on a lot. It's called uh, All That's Gone. Honey, so I hear him introducing this song, All That's Gone, and I'm like, how very fitting, Ellie. All <laughs> That's Gone indeed. Yeah, yeah, you know, our entire livelihood's been destroyed, and now every bugger wants to do sea shanties. Everyone's <laughs> going to be wanting to sing the kind of music that we sing, and nobody's going to come and want, want to watch us because they're going to be watching these bloody young upstarts. The milk that you flavoured, you start adding to the sauce. That would be a good time to go and uh, put a song on. I would put on Moonlight Mile by the Rolling Stones. It's just very, very good. So there you go, my dreams are fading, he sings, uh, Ellie. And at this point, I'm like, yeah, exactly, my dreams are fading. We were doing really well, we'd run folk awards. So he's picking songs that are basically just making me... Every, I'm finding I'm finding hidden subtext in everything. I met recently, and I was very excited to meet him, uh, Neil Hannon from The Divine Comedy. And then to add insult to injury, the National Express, when we were t on tour with the Hut people a few years ago, we'd bring them on at the end of the gig, and we'd do an encore song, and it was the National Express. So I'm like, of all the songs he's... 
he's picked. He's managed to pick this one. It was like everything was reminding me of the past when we were able to gig. Everything he's playing is a dagger in my heart. It's like he's doing it deliberately. So I'm having this big rant, you know, and I've been the radio used to players and all of this. And at that exact moment, the feature ends, the National Express fades, and the following happens. And that was my five minute menu. The National Express. Six music. Six music. Matthew Hoxton is. And then. Us! All of a sudden, the young'uns! Now, at this point, I cannot believe it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in absolute shock. The I'm look just... on your face, David, and was then, something. Because he, but then I really, I thought, I know what's happened here. I thought, Ellie's done this. You had somehow queued up our song on Spotify. Well, I can't do that, because we listen to the radio on the Google, so well, I could on the Google. potentially... <laughs> on the Google? What? We've got a Google It just sounds weird. I listen to the radio on the Google. Well, we do. Okay, on the Google. On the Google Home Pebble. So, yeah, potentially. I could have, if I was being sneaky, connected via Bluetooth and you could, lined it would up have a ta- song. It would have taken quite a while, but it was so slick as well. Six music. Six music. Matthew Hogston. So part of me was impressed. I was... It never crossed my mind that there was this on the, <laughs> on the radio. I'm sort of thinking, well, Ellie's clearly done this. And a part of me was really impressed that she'd Aww, quick, you'd managed thanks. to do it. And another part of me was absolutely livid because I thought, this is not the time <laughs> to be joking. To be so I'm sat there, stood there going, how have you done that? How have you managed to do that? You've obviously connected the devices. You you know, you've, you've... So I'm getting really annoyed and you're telling me this is definitely... That's not me. ...not something. And then I was even more impressed because I'm still convinced that you've segued between the two things here. <laughs> I'm convinced this is a joke. I mean, it's nice and you're pretending that, that I'm credit. on six music right now after the kids. Well, it just makes complete sense, doesn't it? If I'm having an existential crisis and saying that, you know, we're essentially ineffectual as a band and this could be the end and all of this kind of thing and then all of a sudden six music start playing, the first thing I'm going to think is that you're playing some weird practical joke well, and also, I thought, well, we're talking about this with a relationship counsellor, I thought. <laughs> I'm waiting for the song to end so we can hear whether it is. It was a very tense moment. track chosen for us by our guest chef this week thank you very much to miles jupp and his fish pie uh, for miles uh, much obliged uh, that was the young'uns and be the man but <laughs> <laughs> no reason <laughs> so now Other I've done. He's just picked it. It's been chosen by Miles Jupp. So they haven't even just played it on BBC Six Music. Yeah. Miles Jupp has one of his four songs, four of his favourite songs, and he's chosen one of our songs. But frustratingly, there's no mention of why. Like the, the other three songs, he gave a big thing about, oh, this is why I like this song, this is what it means to me. Maybe this one, he, he did, didn't bother. Maybe he did record maybe something explaining, but they thought, oh, you know long. what, it's going too long. He's talking too, too much about he how loved it. it was a half this an hour song, lecture. Yeah. Maybe Radio like, 4 going to play it. It's going to yeah. be a half an hour special, perhaps, yeah. on this on this song. Yeah. So there you go, that was really weird. So then that was a, a very odd feeling inside of me because I was sort of still had this kind of the remnants of this existential crisis of not feeling relevant but it's difficult to not feel relevant when you've just been chosen <laughs> by a comedian on primetime six music so yeah. it gets me wondering now how, how Miles knows of this song if you're listening Miles maybe listen to the podcast let us know you- a day full of turmoil yesterday yeah. everybody anyway well, one of the things, Ellie, uh, for this podcast is because we've got some new features. Yeah. I've got some new jingles Ooh. to show you. Before we do that, though, for yeah. some reason on my hard drive, I have all sorts of random stuff. Yeah. Uh, we could do hard drive roulette at some point, but... Uh, that sounds like it might not. be a lot more risky. Maybe not the one with the pawn on. No. Well, I don't have any pawn. If I get that, if that audio describer from last week, you know, did the princess, the erotic Prince Margaret scene, maybe I wouldn't... Princess Margaret. Princess, what did I say? You said Prince Margaret. That's a very different. That's a different. That's one of my fantasies. Anyway, (laughs) I let it slip. Well, anyway, I wish I'd. Well, anyway. Stop it. um, If she was doing all. I mean, maybe I would have got into porn. But there we go. So there's all sorts of miscellaneous stuff on the hard drive. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why. I seem to. I have the launch of Heart Radio in Bedfordshire. I don't know when this was launched. For some reason, I've got the, the jingle that they launched with on my hard drive. I think I did some jingles for a. 
company or something okay. and I had and I, I can't remember why for some reason I was either sent it or it came in a folder of or something or other I don't know but for whatever reason You've I had that. I want to play because this is I suppose the benchmark okay. this is a jingle that launched a radio station the first things that were heard on this uh, particular radio station the big exciting launch okay it's early but let's raise a cheer you made it through the night and you're still here it might be dark and cold out there but So there we are. I mean, like, I just can't believe it. Within 10 seconds of launching a radio station, mild xenophobia. What's wrong with living in France? Within 10 seconds. It's hot. The weather is hotter. I don't quite understand the the whole thing. I listened to it and I thought, maybe this will give me some help for when I create my jingles. So I made a mental note. Xenophobia is clearly the way to go. Unfortunately, I'd already done the jingles before I realised that. Oh, what a shame. So next time we do a jingle, I'll make sure Zenif- mild xenophobia is on the list there. And the first jingle you're going to hear, Ellie, yeah. is my jingle for cassette roulette. Put your hand in my big box, pull out a cassette. We have no idea right now what's on it yet. But then we press play, we'll hear what we get. It's time to play a game we call cassette roulette. So there we are, Ellie. <laughs> Before we move on to a new cassette, I just thought I'd have a tentative listen to some more of the cassette that we did uh, last time. Yeah. Oh, there's a couple of little clips that I wanted to uh, play you. Okay. We talked about catchphrases, actually. There was one catchphrase last week on Cassette Roulette, which is something that I rather embarrassingly said uh, at the age of 15. This was a radio show. It was my first hospital radio show at the age of 15. For some reason, I would periodically say, throughout the show Orky Dorky <laughs> or Orky Dork and so here we are we have some more examples of Orky Dorks here <laughs> made it onto the show the show was essentially me saying as you're going to hear was essentially me saying Orky Dorky or Orky Dork and technical problems sorry did you just burp? <laughs> Did I burp? I think I might have burped as well, yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that it's, oh, I'm really ramping up to the yeah. orky dorky this time, aren't I? Oh, Sorry. I mean, the tragedy is that nobody heard this until now. As we established, yeah. I thought this was going out on the air. It wasn't because the wire wasn't connected. Uh, Okay. (laughs) There's some more Rocky Dogs. You see, I even, I said okay there. I didn't say Rocky Dog. I'm glad to say that I... That you've moved on with I've moved on from that, yeah. Here we go. Ironically, I sound absolutely uh, loving it. Rocky Dog. I should, ironically, this is when I should have been having an existential crisis. Rocky Dog, ladies and... What I love about that one is the fact that I make another mistake. Something obviously happens, but I still think, well, better start again with the orky dorks. Oh, wrong song, wrong song. <laughs> you couldn't get any worse. This couldn't be scripted badly. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're still, you're still doing your bloody hell, even then. But, but yeah, but this couldn't be scripted any badlier. <laughs> I mean, there are times when I listen to that. I think it's just, it's just smacks of Alan Partridge. I just think, I must have been... Watching so much I must Alan have been Partridge. joking. But then I remembered, we were talking about jingles earlier, yep. and some jingles on my hard drive, and I did a variety of jingles for, uh, a couple of low-rate commercial radio stations and community radio stations as well and got paid anywhere from nothing to £20. And then I remembered this jingle. Bear in mind I was 15 when yeah. that was done, the hospital radio show. So that would have been, what, 2000? Yeah, it was 20 years ago, so that would have been 2000. This, Ellie, yeah. was in 2007. Okay. This jingle, okay? And there's uh, just just listen out. I'm sure you'll you'll get why I'm playing it shortly. This is for a, a community radio station called Ferdinand on Fork. That was about folk music, not about sort of mounting people. It wasn't <laughs> that kind of show. If it was, then you could have done with the audio describer from the Crown. But anyway, Ferdinand on Fork. It really is no joke. Presented by an incredible block. Ferdinand on Fork. Ferdinand on Fork. So if you're feeling broke, 
The show will make you feel okey-doke <laughs> <Ferdinand laughs> Fork With Terry Ferdinand on Bishop FM You must be forking <laughs> <laughs> Okey-doke makes a return Like seven years after I was still saying okey-doke Which kind of gives me I mean, in fairness, that one at least are Doing that because it rhymes with fork yeah. I'm assuming that's why I've said it But it might not be I might have been I might have been doing okey-doke Every single might <laughs> have still been very much my catchphrase. Now I'm worried because I'm starting to think that listeners, if they're going through the back catalogue of podcasts, they're might be like, David, in 2019, you said orky dork 300 times. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just, oh. Anyway. <clears throat> and then you had your radio voice as well when you were doing the... Ferdinand on Well, that hopefully will inspire you. Well, there was a bit that I did take out because that the next bit I must have been inspired by heart. I then did a big tirade against the Chinese. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, okay, it's time for this week's cassette roulette. Ooh. Ellie, the box is primed. Get ready to rummage and pull out a cassette. Cassette roulette. Maybe hold the box up to the microphone I'm for it, added ambiance. It's such a big box. box. It's such a heavy box. She's having a rummage. I probably don't need to point that out. That's what that sound clearly okay. is. She's pulled out a tape. And I'm going to put this in the machine. We're going to find out what's on it. We don't know where it might stem from, whether it's uh, pre or post Okie Dork era, whatever that may be. We'll find out. As we play this week's cassette roulette. Thank you. <laughs> Same as when you were 15. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> on a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's changed. Uh, dear, I was going to edit that out, but then I thought, yeah, let's keep that in just to show the continuity of exactly. service. Cassette roulette. Okay, I've had a little tentative listen, Ellie, yeah. and picked out some clips. Um, this one isn't as embarrassing, actually, oh. uh, but hopefully entertaining nonetheless. What I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, play you a little sequence of clips now, Ellie, okay. and hopefully it's me singing along to a couple of songs. I think you'll, you'll know what they are. You'll be able to identify them, I think. What I want to know is what year Ooh. you think this is from or how old you think I am when I was singing along okay. to these songs. So here we go. Do you uh, recognise the song, Ali? Yeah. No, I've never heard You've that heard before that in my one. life. Okay. Okay. Are so there more? I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, there's, okay. there's more clues. Okay. So guess the year competition okay. here that we're doing. It's getting really hot radio, this, isn't it? And I'm quite impressed at my end here, as it were. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Great, it's a little rain. So that okay. is, of course, Ellie. Just Can't Wait to Be King from The Lion King, which yes. was released in 1994, I think. It was indeed. I think it was February so, 1994, released in the UK. So that so would it's put after me... that, I would have been 10 to you. You would have been, like, 9-ish. I would have been 9, possibly 8. Yeah. But more yeah. likely to be 9, because I was born in July. I think yeah. Lion King came out in February, for my research. I so... saw it at the cinema. So, excellent. Thanks um, for <laughs> engaging in that, David. Well, I don't know what you want me to say. Tell me more. I saw it at the ABC in Banbury and it was on the Tell big screen. <laughs> you see? I mean, there's a reason why I didn't, but there we go. And there's a reason Stay why we're us, going Miles. to counselling. Stay with us. Right. You thought that. I wonder if I can reach that note now, by the way. Let me just I see. don't want to Let test me just it. see. Here oh. we go. Something like that. God, that's going to be hard. No, I can't. Please. I can't do it. I go even higher. 
I yeah. can't quite reach that top knob, but that's Mini Ripperton territory, that yeah. is. I mean, that was a fun quiz, wasn't it, that one? It We've was. got more quiz questions for you now, Ellie, mm-hmm. because what I'm going to present you now with is a couple of clips of me playing the keyboard. And what I want to know from you is, can you work out what I'm lacklustrely playing at the age of eight or nine on the keyboard? Here okay. we go. This is the first clip. <laughs> Flame. Eternal Flame. The Bangles. Bangles. Yeah. And then there's this one, Ellie. Can you identify what this one is? It's Brian Adams, isn't it? And? Everything I do, I do it for you. There's a couple of uh, recitals on the keyboard there. Uh, so even back then, Miles, even back then I got it. But now, Ellie, uh, it's time for some unique compositions. Oh, lovely. This one's an instrumental piece. OK. Think about some of the great instrumental pieces yeah. before we start, like tubular bells, yeah. you, know, you know. Music for a found harmonium. Jean-Michel Jarre. Yeah. This is my take on instrumental Pop-core. music. that I'm just haphazardly pressing buttons on the keyboard <laughs> and just playing with the sound effects that are on the computer, the sound of mooing cows and horse neighing and that kind of thing. Uh, but I like to think I'm... When I'm listening to it, I'm really hearing something else. Um, there's more going on, there's intricacies, there's complexities going on with the piece there. You have to be it's quite... A lot of depth uh, to it. Well, yeah, I think it's... Uh, you have to know music to understand that, yeah. but it's good to see that even at the age of eight, I still had it. And I think even back then, I think what frustrated me is I realised that some people would just think it's me just bashing buttons on the yeah. keyboard. I think maybe for next week, you should write some lyrics for it. Well, see what you could add it's going to gonna it. be difficult to write lyrics, Ellie, because I don't know how I'm going to compete with the lyrics of this next song. Because this one, this one has lyrics. Lovely. See if we can work out what this one's all about. <laughs> I'm looking for the moon button on the thing. <laughs> did, did your little brother come in and ask yeah. you something? You went shut up. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> ruining the song. We're going, you know. You know, the recording's gone so perfectly at this yeah. point. You know, finding the cow sound effect within a mere thirty seconds. Also, the start sounded like it should go into Love Shack for me. All right, okay. That's what I was Oh. Yeah. Is there more of that? Because I'd quite no. like to know. Oh, no. I'd like to know where it was going into there. I don't was... think there's anything more in terms of the lyrics. One more composition. It's another It's another rap piece. Also, Ellie, it's got a bit of a, a musical element to it, by mm. which I mean the genre. Yeah. Have a listen to this, because it's quite dramatic. See what I might be singing about here. I can't quite work it out. <laughs> Bit of a twist there. 
so I can hear myself. I'm imploring someone to listen, to believe my story. <laughs> but I don't know what the story is. So there we are, Lee. Which also, for a blind boy, a lot of the lyrics were, I saw, I saw this, it. I saw that. I saw it. And then you yeah. go, believe me. I'm like, mm, yeah. did you? Exactly. But then you were in character. I so, was a different character. So your character could could see. Uh, yeah. No, I like that. That's that's quite it's different. Very... It's got atmospheric at the end as well. Yeah, this has got all sorts. Nice. Right so I think we ran the whole gamut there with with that tip yeah. uh, from the age of eight. Such a low voice as a child. And a high voice as well as we established. Yeah. Such range. Such range. S- yeah. It's time for a feature that you very much will be in control of. Oh, God. Because last week on the show, one of the features on my hospital radio show was a feature called Music and Memories. Oh, yeah. Over the course of this week, a song came on the radio and you said, oh, I've got a story about this, and you told me the story. And I thought, you've got a story about a song, Ellie. (laughs) Uh, Could that be a memory, perhaps? Could it be worthy of a feature, Music and Memories? So I'm really happy to say to my 15 year old self it's taken 20 years when I had the idea of the feature music and memories I was in a hospital radio studio speaking to nobody because the wire was disconnected uh, from the studio to the wards and nobody noticed it took six months before anybody noticed (laughs) well that's only because someone's grandmother came in and wanted to listen to their teenage Uh, son doing a hospital radio show Um, I am a little bit apprehensive now because I don't remember what song came on ah well, and fortunately, so I don't know if I can remember the story. I've taken the liberty of uh, providing the song. Oh, so you'll remember when you hear it. Uh, <laughs> it's time for Ellie Skinner's Music and Memory. And uh, I've taken the voiceover from my 15-year-old self introducing the feature <laughs> as well. Music and Memory. So it is, of course, Ellie. The song is. Uh, in, in a smile. In a smile by Texas. Texas. And so Ellie has a little memory uh, related to this. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a mean girl memory, though. I feel a bit bad that we're going to talk about it. It was a long it. time it ago. Was, it was, again, it was 20 years ago. So, so at the same time as you were talking to yourself in a cupboard. Saying okey-dokey to myself. <laughs> okey-dokey, ladies and gentlemen, okey to myself. Joke. Uh, at the same time, my friends and I were starting to get involved with boys. We no, were 15, know. 16. Well. And this song was one that I used to mock one of my friends. Would you like to hear more, <laughs> listeners? <laughs> That's what you're all thinking right now. It's unequivocal. Charlene Spatini. Spateri. Spateri. You say Spateri, I say Spatini. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> That's not what the relationship counsellor said we should do. <laughs> he said, leave Terry out of this. Yeah. OK. Never mind being teeny. Uh, who's teeny? Uh, well, that's another story. It's this bit of the song yeah. that you did a parody of to mock somebody when you were 15. So we'll just hear the... Yeah. We'll hear that. We'll hear... Well, yeah, go on. You tell me the, yeah, the story so, first. Um, I should use a fake name for her. So okay. I'm going to call her... <laughs> I don't know what to call her. I think, no, but I can think of is a real name. Okay. Yeah. So let's say there was this girl at school. Well, just give her who... any name, Brenda. No. It doesn't matter if it's no, not okay. the right name. Yeah. Brenda. So there was this girl at school. Called and... Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> she'd been to a party and she'd kissed a boy, and there'd been a little bit of fumbling, but oh, nothing. Oh, I might have to put an explicit tag on this now. Uh, there'd goodness. been a little bit of fumbling. You no, know, but... Miles has rep- recommended this podcast and uh, to the CBBC crowd. It was it was very savoury <laughs> up until this point, me singing The Lion King, and now look what we've got, fumbling indeed. Fumbling, but then she was a bit concerned and she thought she might be pregnant. And we were like, why do you think you're pregnant? Well, I kissed him, yeah, OK, and he touched my inner thigh. Ah. Yeah. And so and that so... links to this bit of the song here, Ellie. You 
Yes. So, so in on. my head, we were good friends. We uh, reassured her that that's not how you can get pregnant. Then it was a little joke between the rest of us. And I think this song was around at that point. And so I would hear in my head, I think... Um, can we, we do, do the song going okay. on here? So here we go. <laughs> I think I'm pregnant, why? He touched my inner thigh. <laughs> and that's the end of the song. That was that. that was so, I mean, the same girl, uh, I, I mean, think on the same night, she uh, she was a bit horrified because she'd kissed him and then she'd burped into his mouth. This was Ooh. after the fumbling. Yeah, well, I she presume was just, it was after yeah, the fumbling. I'm not sure if she'd be fumbling <laughs> after the burp. But, oh, poor girl. But, yes, she was not pregnant. But every time I hear that song, and as we were talking when it came on the radio the other day, and I went, David, this just reminds me of when... So there we are. <clears throat> Brenda. Um, Brenda, exactly. Oh, so there's a music and memory. Yeah. I'd like to think we've set the ball rolling uh, there. Yeah. And maybe listeners can give us their music and memories. We I mean, we always... the feature, didn't yeah, we? Yes, we... Last week. <laughs> we do enjoy it if people get in touch. We There's, do. Not just about can... people who, for some reason, don't realise we're joking and want to just <laughs> express their concern. We didn't have anyone saying they'd enjoyed the podcast. No, Just no. people saying they were worried about us Aww. because they thought we were having relationship problems. Well, yeah, so you can get in touch with the podcast <laughs> by leaving it. a message on David's website where the podcast link is. You could do that. You you could, could, oh, you, uh, do you think should do it, listeners? Yeah. <laughs> oh, fair enough then. Okay. You could tweet David at, at the David Eagle. The uh, podcast, when it comes up, is also put on his Instagram page, which is also at the David Eagle, or he's got a Facebook page. And if you really like the show and you'd like it to continue and you'd like our relationship <laughs> counselling to be funded, you can leave a donation at davideagle.co.uk. There's a link on there to allow you to do that. Excellent. I mean, I'm hoping that we could get Miles Jupp to do a little voiceover next oh, week, but that was very good. The, if we had Miles Jupp just dropping in to go, you can support David Eagle. Exactly, because you, know, you want to hear more stories of me having an existential crisis, uh, oh, listeners. And you know what? There's no shortage <laughs> Actually, of them because the he has is, one every bloody week. I feel they want to hear more existential crisis. In some ways, by not donating, <laughs> I'll have more of an existential crisis. So it's very much <laughs> yeah. a double-edged sword. But yeah. uh, I don't want to brag. Um, <laughs> right, shall we uh, move on, Ellie? Please do. Right now, it's time for another new feature. Oh, is I'll say it? Another new feature. I think it's the first new feature so far. Well, music and memory wasn't a feature. I last suppose week, it wasn't. So. My fifteen-year-old self would be really impressed now mm. if I asked him how he felt. I'm sure he'd say okie doke. <laughs> no, I mean, I would have been. Imagine how horrifying it would be, Ellie, if, as my eight-year-old self, I suddenly hear myself going okie doke. Oh, <laughs> do you know what would be even more horrifying if, at our wedding ceremony, they say, "David Eagle, do you take ah, yeah. Ellie Skinner and you?" just go okie doke no actually <laughs> what I'm going to say is when they say David Eagle do you take Ellie Skinner I'm going to say how dare you <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. It's a very personal question. That's what I'm going to say. Oh, dear God. My family, my parents oh. are here. <laughs> what we should do on our wedding day is do a oh. live podcast. Wouldn't, well. su- wouldn't surprise me if we did. They get to hear some speeches. We're we doing from the people? wedding night for Patreons. No. If you donate over £100. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, we get Miles Jopp to do the catering. It's all working <laughs> A lovely out. fish pie. You know what time it is. Do I? It's time for What's the Time, Mr Eagle. Oh, have you got a jingle for this one? I've got a jingle for this one, which we'll get to very shortly. Okay. This is basically a feature where um, well, sometimes Ellie will ask me what I think the time is. Put a bit of spice into the relationship again, and, uh, and I thought this could be a great feature. I mean, I'm sure you're already <laughs> thinking. If I said there's more to it, you'd be like, don't, there needs to be more to it, baby. That's good enough. So what's going to happen is, Ellie, over the course of the week, in a clandestine manner, she would press record (laughs) on her phone and she would ask me what the time is. I don't know when it's going to happen, Ellie. It could be whatever we're doing. We could be in the middle of relationship counselling. We could be be watching Princess Margaret having it off. Well, actually, we wouldn't do it then. No. We were very much glued to the screen for that, aren't we? (laughs) So it's got a little jingle which essentially says what the feature is. That's what all good jingles should do they should do two things firstly tell you what the feature's all about and secondly insult a foreign country this is what's the time Mr Eagle some people get a thrill from deviant crime I would rather play a game where I guess 
pass the time I don't want to be embroiled in matters illegal I'd rather play a game of what's the time, Mr. Eagle I hit Pakistan Okay <laughs> You look so pleased with yourself for a real jingle I do really, I like that jingle I, <laughs> well, yeah. I it's like just it. the good, you know, it's good, it's the little look of satisfaction on your face, it's lovely. So, as it says, this is a feature where I guess the time, but listeners, as if that's not enough, and I know oh. for most of you thinking, that's enough, David, that's, that's well, that's enough. <laughs> 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 that's enough, David, that's we're turning enough, off yeah, now. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I normally take Miles Jupp's recommendations uh, more seriously, but from now on, I'm not going to listen to him. We're going to tot up the points. Mm-hmm. Now, the soul of the game is to get the least amount of points possible. So yep. the ideal will be zero because mm-hmm. I get it bang on three times. She's done this three times over the week. Each week, the aim is to better my personal best. Do I get to do a spreadsheet? Maybe. Oh. There might be, we could do a diagram. Maybe that could be another incentive for people to donate. You yeah. get free diagraphic representations you of get all features. I mean, I don't know how we'll do music and memories, but we'll give it a go. <laughs> so let's do our first ever What's the Time, Mr. Eagle? What's the time, Mr. Eagle? David Eagle, what is the time? What's the time, Mr. Eagle? You mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's a good start. First time we've done this. It's a complicated feature. It is. <laughs> so, to put it in perspective, we've been in bed, we've just got up, and I haven't checked the time yet. I think the time is 9.41. It's 10.28. 10.28? What's the time, Mr. Eagle? What's the time, Mr. Eagle? Oh, it is four minutes past 11. Oh, it's nine minutes past 11. Oh, Oh, so close. (laughs) What's the time, Mr. Eagle? What's the time, Mr. Eagle? Are you recording? Yeah. I wouldn't want to play this game if you weren't recording, obviously. Though. Exactly. Uh, It'd be a waste of our time. Certainly. <laughs> I wouldn't want to waste my time unless I'm wasting the time of at least another... Twelve people. Ooh, Twelve? I don't know what ratings you've been looking at, my friend. <laughs> you a bit too big for your boots. <laughs> anyway, I think the time is... One or nine. Oh... 12.39. Oh, bloody hell. It's <laughs> terrible. What's the time, Mr. Eagle? There we are. <laughs> well, let's top up the points then, Ellie. OK, so the last so, one you were half an hour out. So, well, I've made a note here. Oh, OK. Because it's really important we don't get this wrong. Yeah. Because, well, it's a serious game. So the first one I was 47 minutes out, I believe, Ellie. Okay. The f- second one was much better. Yeah. Five minutes out. And the next one... 30 minutes out. Mm. Add those together, of course. And you get 82. And you get 82 minutes out. Oh. Some more statistics, of course. I guessed too early twice. Okay. And I guessed too late once. Mm-hmm. So we're going to find out whether that changes. So I normally too early, too late. So we'll put those on the stats as well. So at the moment, I mean, this is pretty exciting with the first week, isn't it? Yeah. Ellie? But just imagine as we build more of a profile. Yeah. Imagine how exciting it'll be. Over time. I mean, it'd be pretty bad if in the second week I get zero and we can't... Uh, can't improve We can't contact, we just, then, then the feature may have to end and that would be terrible. But then we could do celebrity, what's the time? Ooh. I mean, it can't be called what's the time, Mr. Eagle. And no. the kind of joke is what's the time, Mr. Wolf. <laughs> so it's you good to explain it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could find someone else with, with an name. animal name. So what do we really have? Bob Fox. We could have Bob Fox, the folk singer, Mr. Fox. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we could see which animal wins. Ooh. Oh, so there's, there's Charlie are, Wolf, the journalist. Yeah, uh, the average across all average? three. Okay. Yeah, you were twenty-seven point three minutes out. Okay. So that's your average. At the moment, a personal best of five minutes. Yeah. So Surely wanna, I can beat that. You want to shrink that next week, mate? I've never heard you say that before. <laughs> we're going to sing one to finish. Call Valparaiso around the horn. Please join in. Shanty Jack's joining us for this one, I think. It was a cold and dreary morning in December. December! And all of me money it was spent. Spent, spent. Where I went to Christ, I can't remember. Remember! So down to the shipping office went. Went, went. Party lay back. Party lay back. Taking your slack. Taking your slack. Take a turn around the gaps to Liverpool. Liverpool! Boat ships down 
Action Boys, be handy. Be handy. We're bound for Bolivar Rise around the horn. A live sea shanty from Jim McGeehan with his band The Keelers. And we're going to speak to Jim McGeehan very shortly. But before we do, I thought, Ellie, yeah. as you did for our last week's guest, the comedian Phil Nickel, maybe you could tell us a little something about Jim and I shall interrupt when I see fit. So in 1963, Jim went to his first folk club as a teenager. It was the Bridge in Newcastle. And in 64, he went to his first folk festival, which was in Scarborough. And there he met Stan Hugill, who was singing with the spin at the time. Yeah, Stan Hugel is the shanty man himself. He is a, he's someone who actually sung on the sailing ships. A rare authority on sea shanty singers because he was one of the only people who'd actually was able to tell what it was really like and actually had heard and sung these songs. He was a shanty man on board a sailing ship until uh, 1925. Wow. He's the man. Jim started writing to Stan and invited him up to Newcastle where he did a short tour and they were good friends and remained so until Stan's death in 1992. In 1983, Jim and Johnny Collins, performing as a duo, won the Intervision Song Contest in Rostock in East Germany. Yeah, we'll have to find out more about that. It's a crazy story. We'll talk to Jim about that. (laughs) Jim and Johnny performed together all over the world until 2009 when Johnny died on tour in Gdansk in Poland. Yeah, Johnny Collins was a wonderful shantyman as well. In 1986, the Cutty Sark Tall Ships Race came to Newcastle for the first time and he was asked to form a shanty group to perform there. And that's where he formed the Keelers, who are still performing three decades and five albums later. Uh, in 2010, he appeared on BBC Four's Shanties and Sea Songs with Gareth Malone to discuss North East Sea Songs. And in 2013, he was on Radio 2, interviewed about shanties by Richard Hawley as part of his Drunken Sailor programme. Jim's arrangement of the song Don't Forget Your Old Shipmates was used in the 2003 historical film Master and Commander Fast Side of the World. And the movie's director, Peter Weir, had been looking for an authentic British Navy song from 1805 and that's when he discovered Jim's version of the song from his 1978 album of Ships and Men. He tutored for a while on the folk music degree course at Newcastle University and passed some of his songs on to the students there. As well as the students, he also passed his songs on to other groups, in particular the Young Thanks and the Young Uns and the Young Uns personally thanked him when they won Best Group in the 2015 Radio 2 Folk Awards. We did indeed and quite rightly so. A lot to talk about then with Jim. I think that's all the information we need? Uh, yeah, you don't want the children. Children? Oh, oh yes. Yeah. One of Jim's children, I will say. The reason I've put that on the thing for you to read is because one of Jim's children is a comedian, Joby McGeehan, and he won a very coveted prize. I would say one of the most highly acclaimed prize in comedy. Which one was that? He won the Leicester Square Theatre's New Comedian of the Year. Only the best uh, comedians oh. win that. I'm trying to think of some of the other... Na- oh, it's rather embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, it's been so long since I've, uh, since I've thought about it. I've just remembered that I won that as well, let's just go through it, new comedian, so it's rather <laughs> embarrassing that that came up in conversation. Anyway, it's time to cross over to a conversation that we had earlier with Jim McGee. Oh, At Christmas, this can't have happened since the war, you know, there was a woman along the street and she wheeled a piano out into, into <laughs> the front garden. <laughs> And we all stood socially distanced around her piano uh, and sang Christmas carols for an hour. Oh, and I thought, this brilliant. can't have happened since wartime, you know? Yeah. I hadn't been feeling Christmassy up till then, and this was mm. just a few days before Christmas. And that's brilliant as well, because that's ordinary people singing songs, and that's essentially what we do. Exactly. It's all about, and what folk yeah. music is all about. And now it's got really odd, Jim, because suddenly shanties is the, the biggest thing on the planet. It is, it is, and it's wonderful. I, yeah. I'm very, very keen on it, on all aspects of it. You know, the fact that it's gone massive, and um, the fact that people can duet with you. And then, then all of a sudden, you've got a whole group of people around the world who haven't never met each yeah. other singing a song and it sounds really good and and this has happened to me you know Joby put me on uh, at the weekend uh, he put me on singing a shanty I've got three on there now I've had 20,000 views and I'm getting people now joining in with me so I've got I've got young people doing a duet with me oh, <laughs> and, brilliant. Uh, and I just think oh that's great because these they want to sing because a cappella singing is suddenly great and the kids want to do it and that's great it's not just great that the kids want to sing shanties it's great that the kids want to do a cappella singing and join in with other singers you know singing is such a, a wonderful thing and it's such a fun thing the way I view TikTok is it's just 
fun. It's just great fun. You know, I, I was a bit in trepidation about going on TikTok. But now, I think we should talk about when you started out and what you've done, because obviously you singing with the shantyman himself, Stan Hugel. I first encountered uh, Stan Hugel, uh, not in the flesh, first of all, when I was 15 years old in 1963. And I started going to uh, the Folk Song and Ballad Club in Newcastle, which is still going. I used to go to the Folk Club every week, uh, not singing, because I was I was only 15 and I, I was, wasn't even supposed to be in the pub. I was drinking pints of Guinness. Exactly the <laughs> and, same uh, as us, though, Jim. <laughs> I know, exactly the same yeah. as the young and started. So I was underage in a pub, <laughs> drinking pints. Mind you, I say, when I say pints, I used to have a pint and a half and come home absolutely sozzled. You know? <laughs> and uh, they used to sell this magazine at the door. And this was basically a fanzine for the spinners. And I loved the spinners. Every month, there was a two, three-page article by this man, Stan Hugel. He talked about shanties and he gave the words and music of shanties, which, which weren't in his book. His book was out by then. His book had been out uh, since 61, Shanties from the Seven Seas, which contains about 400 shanties. I didn't have the book then. All I had was these snippets of shanties that Stan would publish every month. Anyway, in 1964, after I'd been going to the club for a year, Johnny Handel organised a trip to a folk festival. And I'd never been to a folk festival before. And I was 16 years old. And so he organised this bus and left very early in the morning from the bridge in Newcastle and drove down to Scarborough. And it was Scarborough Folk Festival and everybody was booked at Scarborough. And it was such a magnificent day. And Stan Hugel got up and performed. He was actually quite drunk uh, when he got up and performed. <laughs> and the spinners were backing him, and, but they were actually holding him up while he sang these shanties, you see, and they were doing the choruses. And this was the first time I'd seen this man, you know, live. And I was absolutely enthralled with his singing because I, I'd already knew him from his magazine articles, you see. And so I didn't speak, I, I wish I had spoken to him that, that day, but I was 16 years old and quite shy. So when I got home, I started to write him, but I, I, I didn't have his address, but I wrote via Spin Magazine. So I sent a letter to Spin Magazine, Stan Hugel, care of Spin Magazine in Liverpool. <laughs> and lo and behold, I got a reply. I still have some of Stan's letters because we continued to correspond. And for many years, we corresponded for a while. And then eventually, I invited him up to Newcastle to do a series of talks. He stayed with me and I shared a house with various other folk musicians. He came and stayed with us for the weekend. On the first night, he did a, a talk about Seashell. And then we, we did a couple of folk clubs and talking and singing and he came back to my place. And we, I remember we drank a bottle of rum and got stupid drunk. I said, oh, but these ones you've got in the book, you know, then by then I had the book, of course. These ones in the book, you know, they're not the real versions, you know, they, they're camouflaged and cleaned up. And I said, can you sing us some of the real ones? And let's hear them. So I, <laughs> I remember him singing some of the real versions of the shanties that night. Even yeah. the filthiest rugby songs do not compare to some of the sea shanties in their original form. You couldn't possibly sing them in any sort of company, not even in all-male company. They were just so <laughs> disgustingly obscene. He, I'm, he I'm seeing a weekly feature night. coming on, Jim. Uh. <laughs> but, yeah, he carried me up to bed and I lived on the third floor. He was singing chanties and going, heave away all the way, just pulled me up the <laughs> stairs and, and put me to bed. He was an amazing man. He was, a, he was a complicated man. He was a cantankerous man. He was of a generation that don't exist anymore and of a way of life that doesn't exist anymore. Johnny Collins. Uh, oh uh, yeah, well Johnny, yeah. You and Johnny went on some weird, crazy adventures, the Intervision Song Contest. Explain for those people who don't know what the heck it is and how you ended up on it and how you ended up right. winning it. <laughs> <laughs> we did. I've got it on the wall. In fact, Joby's recently sent me the magazine, the, the East German TV Times. I've been trying to get it for years. Joby went online and uh, found it and bought it for one euro from wow. 1983. A 1983 copy of a East German... Uh, magazine. It's got me and Johnny on the front mm. cover holding our trophy and bunches of flowers like we've just won Wimbledon, you know. <laughs> and so I've got that on my wall underneath the actual trophy. Basically, probably no other students of uh, the Cold War would mention this. The thing that the Eastern Bloc really coveted about the West was the Eurovision Song Contest. This is true, <laughs> honestly. Russia and East Germany and all of the socialist countries of the Eastern Bloc, they coveted it. And so back in the 70s, uh, they decided to have their own version. 
there's not a lot online about it, but you can trace it, you know, uh, where it was held and it moved around a bit around the Eastern Bloc. Anyway, in 1982, Johnny and I were singing together at the Tall Ships Race in Southampton and we were approached by a man who was on the committee of their Intervision Song Contest because Intervision was the Eastern Bloc television company covered all of those countries and they decided to have their own Eurovision Song Contest, mainly of the Eastern Bloc, but they invited all socialist countries worldwide. Anyway, he asked us if we'd take part and he says, it's a competition. And we said, oh, we don't do competitions. He says, you go there, you go there for a week and he says, they'll put you in the best hotel. He says, they'll treat you like lords and you'll probably win it. (laughs) Okay, okay, we'll give it a go. We got flown out there to uh, East Berlin. The festival itself lasted for several days. It went on on the Baltic coast of East Germany, DDR as it was then, Deutschland, Democratic Republic, very communist at the time, Russian soldiers everywhere. We went through this East Berlin, the Schonefeld airport, where we had to wait for, for four hours because the minibus that was picking us up and taking us to the festival also had to pick up the Norwegian competitor who was a very beautiful girl who happened to be Miss Norway <laughs> and, uh, and and our boyfriend I hasten to add so Miss Norway <laughs> waited four hours for her plane to arrive in which time of course we went to the bar and we were in the bar <laughs> trying in our best German to get some beers and uh, so, so we were saying Zwei beer bitte no 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 he wouldn't give us these beers at all and then we looked around and there was other people in the bar drinking and mm. said that, you know one of those no no so then we said well what do you have mm. in English because we couldn't say that in German. And then in perfect English, he said, we have champagne. Oh, okay. Zwei champagne. We got this awful Russian champagne. It was dreadful. And uh, then in perfect English, he said, uh, would you like a beer with your champagne? You know? <laughs> so basically, they wouldn't serve you a beer on its own because it was just cheap. You know, it only cost a mark or something. So they wanted you to buy something more expensive, like a whiskey or something like that, and then have a beer chaser. So he'd sell us champagnes with beer chasers. So we spent four hours drinking champagnes <laughs> with beer chasers and got this is quite drunk, of course. This is real socialism and, in action, isn't it? <laughs> it really was. It really was. So then we eventually got to Rostock. They did put us up in this fabulous hotel uh, with all the rest of the competitors. So we went out the first night. Well, we went in the first night, basically. We had complete freedom to walk around, you know. It wasn't... Uh, there were uh, there was Russian soldiers on every corner, but uh, you had freedom of movement. Nighttime after dinner, we, there was a nightclub. So we, we went up and to go into this nightclub and they wouldn't let us in because we didn't have ties on. You couldn't go into the nightclub without a tie <laughs> on, you know. So yeah. the first thing Socialism we did next again. day was we, we went out and shopping and we went to this um, kind of department store. There we saw socialism in action because we went to buy a tie each and it took five people to sell us a tie each, you know. Wow. So uh, one person would show you the ties, another person would uh, take the money for the tie and another person would wrap the tie. I can't remember how the five went, but it was five people who <laughs> actually served us this and we actually, we bought a tie each. So the next night we could actually go to the nightclub. They had zero unemployment, but yeah. of course you have zero unemployment in a country if it takes five shop assistants to sell you one tie, you know. Yeah. Anyway, we eventually got to the gig and uh, we had five days. We had a lot of rehearsing and uh, it was a 92-piece orchestra, massive philharmonic orchestra. So the first thing they said was, which sections of the orchestra would you like to use? And we said, no, no, we don't want any 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 section. <laughs> and of the 19 countries who went, we were the only ones who didn't use the orchestra. What's Most- crazy about this is you were just talking about socialism and five people to sell you a tie and how everyone's got a job. You rock up to the, Eurovi- the Intervision Song Contest and say, no, we don't want any of these people working. Um, <laughs> no, no, just well, work for everybody else. I mean, 18 of the 19 countries used the orchestra. Yeah, we yeah. were the only one who didn't, and we won it. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we didn't. Eventually, they said they had a vocal section, and they were from Czechoslovakia, and they could do anything with vocal music. We said, oh, we'll use them. And they were wonderful, these guys from Czechoslovakia. We used them to sing our choruses, so we had fantastic choruses. They helped us win, really, because we were just doing the verses, and these were singing fantastic choruses in harmony. We met them, and we got drinking with them, and we sat up all night, that the first night, drinking with these Czechs, and we sat up all night. And I remember the sun came up. We were in the bar, and people started drifting in, coming in for breakfast. <laughs> We'd been sat singing and talking with these guys all night. Anyway, eventually Johnny and I had breakfast and then went to bed. We had our breakfast, not the only time in our lives, mm-hmm. where we've had breakfast before we went to bed. On the day of the competition, which was televised on Intervision, you had a live audience of about 3,000 who voted, and then the television audience voted as well. And we knew we'd won just when we finished singing. 
And, you know, we did a a medley of sea shanties, three sea shanties, and then the place just went wild. And they started stamping their feet and going mad, all this 3,000 people in the audience, you know? And so we knew we'd done well. We had two carrier bags, and I mean full, bursting, full of fan mail. You know, it was just like being the Beatles, you know, it was... It was incredible. And, and yeah. then we went out into the street, into the market, and everybody had seen us on television, and they were all shouting at us and hugging us and waving to us and saying, ah, Gross Britannian, Gross Britannian, you know, for Great uh, Britain, because we were the competitors from Great Britain. And you, you have know? to think, and, Jim, uh, I mean, this is 30 years before the whole TikTok thing. If things like social media had been around now, you would be a viral oh, sensation. Oh, yeah, we'd have been massive. Yeah. You know, whereas it's yeah. difficult in those days. You were a viral sensation, but only within the, the remit. Only in East Germany. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, we, of course, we came bounce, We came right down to earth, you know, yeah. when we came home. And so we got home and there, there were reporters from, I can never remember if it was ITV or BBC. They met us off the plane and, and they said, oh, we believe that you've just won a big singing competition for Great Britain. And we said, yes, yes, we have. We won the Intervision Song Contest for Great Britain. And they said, oh, where was that? And we said, oh, it, it was Germany. And they said, oh, great, you know, and then what part of Germany... And we said, Rostock. And he said, Rostock? Uh, where's that? And I said, well, it's in East Germany, in DDR. Oh, oh, East Germany. And they just put their microphones down, turned around and walked away. Aww. No kidding. As soon as they knew it was East Germany, it couldn't be reported. Yeah. They could not report on an event in East Germany. This was the way of the Cold War. And, yeah. and we blame other countries now for doing the same to us, saying, oh, yeah. they don't report on us correctly. But they just dropped us like a stone. One thing that really surprised us from the, when we started doing shanties is when we were invited to a shanty festival in Poland, which you did as yeah. well, how much Polish people love sea shanties. It's like TikTok over there. You know, it's like what TikTok yeah, is or, now. And has been, yeah. and has been since, the, since, certainly since the 80s. I've done, I've been to Poland about 12 times now and right from the beginning I mean the, the very first time I went with Johnny we started singing and you, you, to start with you do a concert and you're singing a thousand couple of thousand people and, and we're then, talking about teenagers as well we're talking teenagers about, yeah. and they'd get up and dance you'd sing shanties yeah. and they'd get up and dance to them at the getting towards the end of our set then we heard this stamping and this sort of rumble of voices you know coming from the back and thought oh god you know they don't like us or something <laughs> and it, it, it rolled forward from the back of the auditorium it rolled forward till it got to the front and when it got to the front we could hear what they were chanting they were chanting old maui old maui um, the chanting old maui and they were not going to let us off that stage until we'd sang rolling down to old maui that's what it was like out, out there you know and it, that continued year after year of all yeah. the tours i did in poland boots and claws are all in Poland. Thank you very much to Jim McGeehan. If you want to hear more of his sea shanties and folk songs with his band, The Keelers, you can find all that at keelers.net. You know me, I'll spell it, K-E-E-L-E-R-S dot N-E-T. I thought we'd end with a little bit of us, the young'uns, singing a sea shanty. This is from our album... Oh, which one's it from? I can't even remember. I'm going to have to look up what album it's from. Oh, the irony. (laughs) From the album Never Forget. There we go. (laughs) Thanks to Jim. Thanks to you for listening. We'll be back with more guests, more features, maybe another existential crisis and a rant. Who knows? I mean, I have to say, it really put me to shame, the fact that Jim's in his 70s and he was embracing TikTok and I was saying, oh, I feel completely out of the loop. So davideagle.co.uk, if you want to do a little donation to support the podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast in all usual podcasty places. Tell your friends. Leave us a positive review on, on the podcast app or iTunes or whatever. There are so many ways to show your appreciation without having to part with money. I know it's difficult for people right now, and I'll still do it anyway, regardless of money, just for my ego, if nothing else. We'll fade up the young'uns and blood-red roses, and we'll say goodbye for this week. From me, David Eagle. And me, Ellie Skinner. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, yeah, pink sun poses. Go down, your blood-red roses, go down. Go down, go down, go down. Round Cape Horn we almost go. Go down, your blood red roses go down. For that is where the whale fish blow. 
Your down, your blood red roses go down. Oh, yeah, pinks and poses. Go down, your blood red roses go down. Oh, yeah, pinks and poses. Go down, your blood red roses go down.